It's that time again. We go beyond the jive. Join our hosts, John Swan and Natalie B. Brave the sting of beekeeping to reap the sweet rewards. All you hive jive junkies out there, this is the Hive Jive. Well, hey there, Real Texas Honey. Hey, what's up? <laughs> How are you doing, uh, Wicked Bee? <laughs> uh, yep, yep, it's there. Uh, I'm doing well. So I have decided that one of Mother Nature's most favorite things to do is to um, psych you out with this, like, awesome, joyous weather and then turn around and, like, knock your ass to the ground. <laughs> so the the high today was 68. The low tomorrow morning is going to be 23. Oh, that's a bit, that's a pretty big swing. We had we were at like 78. I mean, we are in Texas, right? But yeah. I think it's going to go down to 40s or low 40s or something like that. Our tomorrow. our high is supposed to be in the the very low 40s tomorrow, but the low when you wake up will be 23. And I was like, "What? Oh, you're going to be cold." <laughs> yeah, that's pretty cold. Yep, it is. So the bees were out today and they were like, "Yay, sunshine." And then all of a sudden the wind hit. <laughs> And they were like, what? And then the temperatures just started falling as the sun set, and it's just going to keep going down. <laughs> well, I sent you some pictures. I was playing with bees at your old I yard. I saw that. I saw yeah. that. And I was wondering if those were from today. I was looking at it going, yeah. you know, it was sunny and, and you could bees just were flying. feel the yeah. warmth. Yeah, the bees were out. So, yeah. I found those. I didn't realize they were back there because the trees, we you know, less came in and, and kind of like cleared up a little bit, but there were still a lot of leaves. Yeah, so the leaves I, I, fall and suddenly you can see. <laughs> yeah, and it's like, oh, there's a tank and there's a there's a bin or whatever, a barrel. Yeah, there was a there was a 30-gallon metal drum, uh, old gas tank, and then there's an old wash basin, wash tub, uh, exactly. like metal round wash tub, like you would wash your clothes in or wash your dog in. Uh yeah. they were Quite all like last. Yeah. No, yeah. uh, I don't know. I actually I don't know on the tub what it would be. More actually more than that. It's probably like 50, 60, 80 gallons. It's a pretty big, you know, tub. I'm oh. comparing it to an aquarium. So I think it's at least 50 gallons. For it sure. should be. That just seems crazy. So that drum would be bigger then, because that metal drum. Yeah. You would think that would be more volume, but uh, but anyhow, yeah, those were those were lovely things that were the last removals done. That I think Jorge actually is the one that did the gas tank. He and, brought it over. Uh, he he had went. He took the truck and went and got it and brought it out there and dropped it off. And then that was like towards the end of the season, so there was no point in cutting it open. You know, they was like, if we do, they're all going to die. So just leave them alone. Yeah, yeah exactly I, like right now <laughs> the sun was shining and it was just golden hue everywhere and i see those bees and i was just like there's a lot of activity back there and i'm just looking at oh there's a tank there's a barrel look at the girls going in and out and i was just floored i mean there was a, a big uh entrance for the gas tank and they had propolized everything but just like what do we i know i love seeing that the, did you find or have you ever run across the wooden spool that's no. cut into a square? I need to look. I need to go on a scavenger hunt in the spring when it's warmer <laughs> again because I uh, I was so busy. I kind of like, well, they'll be there 
until I get them, right? Yeah. So, so if you're if you were standing in the middle of that, what used to be like the top bar area, if you were standing there and you were looking back towards these items you were just talking about, if you turned 90 degrees to your left and face over to the uh, where the animal shelter thing is, mm -hmm. it's going to be as you're looking that direction, it's going to be in that lower left corner of the fence. Yeah, you told me down where the blue one is, right? Uh, towards towards that and then off and down to the left, like if you followed the fence down, yeah, it's yeah. just on the other side of the fence of all the metal. Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. So, yeah. I need to go take a look. I, I think I'd seen it when you first mentioned it, but I was so busy that I didn't do anything with it. <laughs> yeah, so there you go, everybody. These are uh, when when you do late season removals and you can take the entire container they don't, right. you know, they're they're in no need or rush to get out of there. They pick the container, so it just gets set down somewhere convenient, and that becomes their new home. Right. <laughs> Until and then you have some year when you get around to opening it. <laughs> right. So I was telling John, I'm, I'm going to go and set up swarm traps everywhere. Uh, there's a little pond on the land. There's uh, tree lines. There's old equipment, and I've caught swarms before, and I know you have as well. So I'm just going to litter the tree lines with swarm traps i'm going to try the the buckets coated with slum gum this yeah. year yeah that'll that'll definitely be a good place to put them i have that probably and i mean they're they're coming from all of the feral colonies and the removal colonies that are out there but then also just even my own colonies that were there i have caught tons of swarms out there and even still like if you have an empty hive out there they'll move into it if you have actual yep. swarm traps they move into them yes. if not they move into the old farmhouse and that's not fun. So the no, more traps you can have out there for options, the better. <laughs> I was thinking that I have a removal I need to do in that uh, garage that you so graciously left out for me. <laughs> he asked me for two years to do that. And every time I was like, as soon as we have a period where we're not busy, right. we'll come out here and we'll get that done. Like on a weekend where we literally don't have any work, no jobs, we'll come out there and get that done. Now on the upside, that never happened because we were always busy and we always had jobs and that's a positive, but it was a negative because then it never got done. Never got uh, done. Yeah. And it, he, there was something in that shed that he swore up and down he needed to get, but I, I honestly don't even think he knows what's in that shed. I've been in that, that shed and looked around. <laughs> it looks pretty abandoned. The horror movie, like pretty abandoned. Yeah, yeah. Horror movie or uh, tetanus or some crazy disease yes. could, could very easily be yeah. in there. <laughs> uh, yeah, I was thinking, debating bringing our apprentices and kind of like do use that as a teaching moment. But I was like, I don't know about the liability of this. That's also true, uh, you know, but... Honestly, you could be on a removal site anywhere and step on a rusty nail. True. So, you know, that that's just kind of one of the one of the downsides to things. But it is it is something that could potentially be a liability. But at the same time, so could cutting into a 30 gallon metal drum. You you yeah. know, it's rusty. You could you could get a cut from the metal on that. Like there's always some potential of risk. Uh, that's why they invented waivers. <laughs> exactly. But waivers only protect you so much. By the way, if you're in the business of anything, it's true for everything. Um, it's a good discouragement for legal pursuits, but it really doesn't cover you that much, right? So there's nothing that replace uh, insurance, basically. Well, yeah, no, insurance is always, you definitely want to have insurance regardless, but it also depends on the character of the person. Like if I am out there doing something, 
and I slip and screw up and I hurt myself. It's on you. I am not the character or person that I'm going to blame everybody else out there. I'm going to be like, oh, damn, that was dumb. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And then there's the people that, oh, a bee stung me. This is a catastrophe. This is the end of the world. You need to give me your house and your firstborn. Right. Oh, so my friend Javid um, was, he helped me actually several times. He suited up and, and would help me come and like mo mainly relocating stuff. I don't think he ever went to an actual removal job site with me, but um, he was a master student there in Austin. And whenever he had free time, he was always interested and wanted to check out the bees. And one day he wanted to help me harvest honey. And I told him, we're going to be taking the comb. We're going to do crush and strain. And, you know, there could be an instance where there is a bee in the cell where she's actually burrowed herself in head first with her butt sticking out. So right. check the combs before you start squeezing them and, and make sure there's not one there. And if they are, you know, kind of flick her rear and she'll she'll back exactly. back out of there. And he's like, OK. And he goes, but I'm not going to get stung. Right. And I was like, you shouldn't get stung. But I mean, Probably, you know, I mean, you might. But, right. you know, but, you, but we're, we're not in a colony. We're in the house and we've just got buckets of comb. And I was like, there there could be a bee in there every now and then, you know, but they're not going to be coming after you it's only going to be if they're in the comb and you squeeze it and squish it so you should be fine I, I swear it was like the second comb he picked up and he squeezed and there was a bee in there and she stung him and he screamed and he like threw the comb across the kitchen <laughs> Flung the honey and then over. it turned into the most dramatic thing because <laughs> literally for like a month he would be like why i can't trust you you told me that i wouldn't get stung and i got stung like five minutes into it i was like i never said you wouldn't i did not give you a hundred percent guarantee i said you should not get stung so long as you check the comb and make sure there's not a bee button right. sticking out of it before right. you squish it <laughs> I, I got stung by a bee that was dead right i mean that's that, that happens that, too that's right right more than the mechanism still works <laughs> so, i mean yeah. i i've gotten stung in my glove long after the bees have left the stingers in the glove and they've slowly been digging down through and then all of a sudden they start reaching your skin and they nick you we used to call those after stings <laughs> <laughs> yeah like when you don't have bees in your side of your gloves right oh that's I, i've i've had that too where they've crawled up inside there and i'm like wow that was that was really potent that was like that was ground zero <laughs> That wasn't an after stinger through the glove that she was in there. <laughs> and then the, when you drive around and there's still a few bees inside of your car. And then for some reason, one landed on your, uh, you know, your, like your shift, shift or whatever. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and you squeeze it happily. <laughs> so I would say for me, and I've told you this story before, I believe. I, I may have even told this on the podcast, possibly to you or to Ken. I don't I don't really recall. But my worst <laughs> singing incident where I made the biggest deal and screamed like a little girl was I had been out. I had done a removal. I had come back home. I had cleaned out the truck. I had went inside. I had taken a shower and cleaned up. And then I went to the grocery store and I came back and I was wearing a tank top. Oh. And it's dark and I pull up in the driveway and I get out of the truck and I pick up the bag and I kind of just in one hand, I have my arm around the bag and I pull the bag to my body. And when I did, my arm closed against my torso and she was halfway up to my armpit. 
and stung me right in the lower soft part of the armpit. And I didn't know what the hell had gotten me because it was like three or four hours removed from doing anything bee related. That, yeah. So she was in the truck. Uh, my mind wasn't on bees at all. It's dark. So she's crawling and she crawls up my shirt and then right onto the skin right as I put my arm down, which put pressure on her. So she immediately stung me. I screamed bloody murder. I threw the entire bag of groceries in the air. They went all over the place. And I'm like running in a circle trying to figure out what the hell just happened to me. Well, I mean, I, I, I don't know if it's the case for you, but we live, you lived in Texas and I still do. And some of the pokey things in Texas are kind of nasty. We've got some scorpions, for example. Yeah, scorpions, spiders, wasps. bees, yes. wasps. I mean, there's all kinds of things out there that can get you. But when it's dark and you don't even know it's on you and it's in your armpit, you're like, that's a betrayal. It's such a betrayal, right? It, it was. It was a betrayal, and it also cost me a couple of glass bottled drinks oh. <laughs> shattered when they hit the ground. Plus, <laughs> you didn't have eggs in there to make an omelet. I did not, because I had chickens in the backyard, so I was lucky on that part. I did not have to go buy eggs, but I did lose my bottled drink. Um, yeah, but that was that was a fun experience. That's one of those moments where I always like to think from a third person's perspective, if any of my neighbors were looking out the window, right, what exactly. did that look like? You know, what were they thinking? <laughs> we've all we've all had some of those moments, right? Did I tell you the stories of the bee? The first time a bee got stuck in my veil. <laughs> no, 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 I don't I, think so. Oh my gosh, I was a. Uh, uh, there were a lot of bees that were really upset because I was doing splits on Langstroth, and um, for some reason, one got inside. And I was in the middle of trees because that apiary was just kind of in a little um, area of clearing. And I started flailing. I was by myself, flailing around, screaming, running around, bumping into a tree and back on my on my bottom. And I was like, OK, this was ridiculous. Um, that should have been filmed because that was really uh, unbecoming of an experienced beekeeper. Yeah, there's there's always that moment, though no matter how comfortable you are with anything, if you've got a veil on, you're very used to looking at the bottoms, the bellies, yes. the tummies of the bees. And so you're very intimate with what they look like from the underneath. And, and then all fine. of a sudden you see one that you're looking at its back and it takes you a pause for a moment. You're like, well, that doesn't look right. And then you're like, oh God, it's in here with me. <laughs> like right. it's facing the wrong direction, which means it's on the other side. <laughs> lying around in there and you're like oh they're so mad and if there's one there's got to be more and where did it come from so yeah I kind of lost my composure I did that yep. another time um I didn't have a suit then and I was in my home garage and um one got caught in my hair it was oh. flying around and and yeah and same thing I, I just completely and I slipped on the garage floor that was all slick it's just and I'm like there's a camera right there maybe I should look <laughs> it was not recording though <laughs> You could have so, yeah, turned that into the funniest right video and made some money. Exactly. But when they're in your hair, you know how they clasp oh, they, 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 they start burrowing down trying to get to your scalp and they're buzzing the whole time. And it's like impending doom. You yes. know they're there. You can feel them. You can hear them. They're right by your ear. And you're just waiting for that moment of sharp pain. And so it's this I'm desperate not, race of like, who can I'm get the waiting. bee first? <laughs> I'm usually trying to pull her out or I'm slapping my <laughs> I, yeah. yeah it's the rest against the uh, the time the, the watch right the clock yeah i i have this uh 
it's it's like this weird i can't think of the right phrase that i want to use for it but it is uh an unfounded fear slash thought that every time a bee gets inside my veil and i'm always like don't make eye contact (laughs) (laughs) don't look at it because if you look at it it's gonna come for your eye so don't make eye contact like look away Uh, it's kind of hard though because it's right here right i know they're right there but then like once you realize they're right there you're like oh god and i like it's like (laughs) peripheral vision like try to look over here and reach up and grab them (laughs) oh my goodness he's better to keep them outside of our veils yeah they they need to be on the outside of the suit not the inside of the suit that is the preferred location for the bees um yeah (laughs) so that's that's just how that goes um the other thing is is the whole well so one of the things that the original mentor who taught me how to do the bee removals told me and then something that Chuck repeated multiple times is the whole you know that moment when you feel the bee to sweat running up your leg <laughs> it doesn't go up so therefore it's not sweat it's a bee <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I've heard Chuck say that. My favorite moments and my the most impressive moment I've ever had um, watching Les Crowder actually helping me with uh, removing an open air hive, gigantic open air hive. And he used to wear that um, those overalls, those mechanics overalls that he was using when you used to be the chief of the volunteer fire station in in his town in New Mexico. And so there's no straps, it's wide open sleeves and and bottoms and and it's a little too short for him too. And he's got only his veil, right? And he's going at it with his hands and everything and he's fine. I mean, the, the man is amazing. But then he's like, I have a bee in my nose. <laughs> and I'm like, I, I don't know what you do with that but but crawling into orifices is definitely a no yes. <laughs> like that's a no <laughs> and he's just cool as a cucumber just keeps working there's a bee in my nose get out <laughs> I mean or not maybe she'll just keep going that could be very very bad <laughs> maybe she'll get to your brains less I don't know when she goes far enough, she'll come out in your throat, but it's not, that's not a good, no, I don't, I don't know that like anything going up your nose or in your ear. No, like I'm no. not, uh-uh. Exactly. And I'm like, I don't know. It's one of my favorite memories of what Les does. It's just kind of a, it's amazing. Who does that? See, I, I think probably a greatest fear for me would be having something in my ear and somebody right? happened to try to get it out. Right. Because I don't know that I could hold my composure because I could hear it and I can feel it and it's trying to go inside me and right. I'm going to be screaming, get it out, get it out. They're going to be like, stop moving. And don't I'm like, touch it, it's going to sting me. <laughs> well, and in your nose, imagine the pain if oh. it starts, you know. Yeah. No, your nose, you, there's no, they, they not, orifices are off limits. <laughs> they're they're not, off limits. They're not supposed to go in there. <laughs> Oh, nose, mouth, ears, eyes, stay away. Yeah. Oh, no, man, stinging. <laughs> we, um, 
So when I first started the Hayes County Beekeepers Association, I created the Facebook page that goes with it. And at some point, very shortly after that, I posted something that was a graph of a human body, front and back, and with the most painful... Like uh, where to get stung? And they were graded, right? And then there was one that was like where the sun don't shine. And uh-huh. I was like, who's going to get stung, stung there? And this guy, this old timer, he comes in and he's like, well, I have. And it was really terrible. That was really the most painful one of all of them. And I was like, how did you do that? <laughs> and he said, well, I was bending over with a super and they crawled up. <laughs> I mean, see, because that's, that's the other thing, too. When I do, because most of the time, if I was, especially down there, because it would be so hot, if I was in my bee suit, I was probably wearing yoga shorts and a tank top. Depending on where I was at, if I was at home, I may have just been wearing my underwear. Okay. <laughs> like, so it really depends. But the, uh, the bee suits, you know, there's enough loose room in there that if something gets in and it's if it's crawling on you, you can absolutely feel it. But I, I love that when they're crawling and flying and you mm-hmm. feel them bump you and you're like, oh God, and you just freeze because you don't want to move and accidentally make them mad and make them sting you. But the, you also need to catch them because the further up they go, there's only one destination and it's not going to be pleasant. It's not, no, uh, no way. <laughs> no. So I, I have, there's been many a times that I have like grabbed my leg and grabbed my pants and like pulled them away from my leg. Right. And then you sit there for a minute with all your senses on high, waiting to make sure you got it. Cause you don't want to open your hand to check. Right. You may have missed and she may still be running around and now she's mad, you know, and you're like, yeah. ah, like, no. Yeah, I try my best to open up. So, I, you know, those zippers on your pants that go all the way to your hip, basically, I try my best to open them up and just kind of shake her out. And, uh, but I used to not feel so comfortable. And one way you can do that if you're really scared is you can slap yourself. You can just slap. You can, you can injure yourself and try to kill the bee in the process. But (laughs) yes, we did an interview. Ken and I did an interview with a gentleman who wrote the book, Show Me the Honey. And Uh he has a story in there and a chapter in there where he talks about the first time bees got inside his suit and he damn near knocked himself unconscious trying to kill a bee inside his bale. (laughs) like gave himself a black eye you know it's like right. well, it's just like the, bumping in that tree right it was the like the sheer out. panic of like oh my god it's in here and it's this <laughs> tiny little thing but just like it's like the elephant and the mouse you know you're just right, like exactly. ah! <laughs> so the best thing to do is what to keep her cool because they're actually looking for the exits yeah. and then just kind of walk away and open up what we can and let them out kind of like the windows in the car right that's right <laughs> crack the window let them out <laughs> um, yeah it's it's uh it it's definitely uh <clears throat> it can feel like a killer be killed moment <laughs> right <laughs> like, well and you're you're going to get who first your instinct your ancestral instincts kind of kicks in and it takes uh, really kind of having gone through it a couple of times and just kind of like, okay, it's not the end of the world. Now I can rationalize it. But the right. first couple of times, I, I guarantee you, you're going to lose it. Well, see, it's like it even defeats the purpose of the whole lizard brain fight or flight, right? Because you can't flight it in there with you. <laughs> no matter how far you run, it's coming along. <laughs> like, it's there. <laughs> you can't get away from it. So... There's a, I've mentioned her before on the podcast and I I know I've told this story on the podcast before too, but Rusty, a lady named Rusty writes that blog, Honeybee Sweet. Barley, Rusty Barley. 
Yeah, and she tells the story about the de-evolution of the English language or, or devolving language or something like that. And it starts off, she's highly educated, you know, and well-spoken and well-written. And she's talking about how she goes out one day, she had her bee suit hanging up on the porch and she puts it on, goes down to her hives and she's in there working on the bees. And all of a sudden she sees something out of her peripheral vision crawling up the veil and when she turns her attention, it's one of the giant orb weaver garden spiders. Oh, no, no, no. But it's inside the veil with her. No, no, no. That's she, like She said words she didn't even know she knew. She was cursing. Speech was changing to like just this primeval guttural <laughs> as she's trying to rip her suit off. I think she knocked the hive over. Like she's like the biggest disaster she ever caused. And it had nothing to do with the bee. It was because there was a spider inside her suit with her. <laughs> Yeah, that's a pretty scary. Oh, so I was still again in your apiary um, and um, there was a, a hive that had died and it was closed back. I was like, not even properly, a, a, a high, um, tabar hive, horizontal, and the end of it was kind of open, three, four openings in the front. It's just kind of like nobody's going to move in there. And um, I go in there and I'm looking and there's, there's a mouse in there. And, <laughs> and there's a baby colony in there that moved in. Yep. So I'm cleaning stuff up and I didn't realize I cleaned up the nest and all of a sudden that mouse is running all over the place. And I'm like, I bet some of you would be, because I was filming, I bet some of you would be jumping and screaming right now, but I'm not afraid of mice, but the spider would do it. Hmm. Yeah, the spider would do it. Scorpions, you'll find those out there. Absolutely. And then there's the lovely rattlesnake. There's also a skunk. Um, you'll run across him every now and then. <laughs> I wonder if that's who ate some of the combs in that barrel that was knocked over. I don't know. Um, I'm not sure on that one, really. That could have been I'd anything. Rather, but... I'd rather meet a skunk than a rattlesnake, honestly. Yeah, the rattlesnakes are not fun. Now, the rattlesnakes are not always. There There has been one spotted when you come through the gate crossing the path. Mm -hmm. But for the most part, they're on the back 40 where the Langstroths are. Yeah. In fact, when you go to the back 40, the first set of hives on the left, yeah. always, there is always a rattlesnake there somewhere. So that's, yeah, a, that's not a fun place. <laughs> I've been there, but we always come in with the apprentices rolling around like a, a third of elephants, basically. So yeah. I guess they're not there by the time we get there. Well, just, just make sure anytime you guys go out there to warn them and they do not rattle, even though they are a rattlesnake. Yeah. So oh, they will yeah. coil up and just sit there and stare at you. <laughs> Ooh. Luckily, everybody's wearing those marshmallow, you know, bee suits. Yeah, right? giant fluffy cloud monsters. Yeah, I, I think that's that's there's been multiple times that I've been face to face with one and then realized it, you know, five minutes later that it was there. And I'm yeah. like, what is wrong with you? You're supposed to make noise like you're not just supposed right. to sit there and stare at me. <laughs> so, yeah, those are those are the creepy ones, I think. Um, and for whatever reason, I've never found one underneath an inner cover or on the top bars on on the lids or the, the bowed metal. Right. Never found one there. However, it does not change the fact that I have an unfounded fear of I'm going to it's like it's not it's not a fear. It's like one of those like Murphy's Law. I go to pick right. one up and every time I'm like, today's the day, I'm going to flip it up. And there's going to be a freaking snake curled up underneath there. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> but there's important. not. <laughs> it's important to know there's all kinds of creatures out there in the yards, right? So yeah. the spiders, the scorpions, the praying mantises, which are not going to really hurt you. No. There's all kinds of bugs and critters that can, especially. Yeah, the 
Praying mantises, grasshoppers, June bugs, they don't hurt you. They just make you hurt yourself when they grab a hold of you with their little Velcro legs. Right. And you don't realize they're there and you're out there with bees and you don't know what just got you. So you flip out. Um, right. Those are usually the the types of moments, you know, like the spider in the suit. You you cause all kinds of chaos, but the spider didn't do anything. It was just no. like, what the hell? It's like scared, more scared than we are. It's like, oh, my God, I'm trapped in here with this giant monster and it's trying to kill me. <laughs> Yeah, but yeah, be, I mean, that's why I wear gloves a lot, uh, because a lot of that stuff, I don't want to put my finger, I mean, Les was telling me he got really sick for an entire week uh, once because he didn't realize a, a black widow was chewing on his finger. Uh, and then he went to the doctors and he said he was super sick for an entire week. Wow. Yeah, that's no fun. I have, there's been a couple of removals that I've done where I flipped over a board uh, like kind of like a pallet or a lid type thing. And I have seen a brown recluse and a black widow within a foot of each other on either side of this board. And I'm like, well, that wouldn't have been a great place to stick your hand because you were damned if you do, damned if you don't. No matter which side you chose, somebody was going to potentially get you. Did I tell you um, I got, I grabbed a hold of a branch when I was again at your Achilles. Yes, the, the uh, mesquite trees, the thorns. That was a mesquite tree and it just, pierced all the way to basically half of my knuckle and I was swollen and really inflamed like double the thumb size for an entire week it was yeah. so painful those suckers are sharp and the baby mesquites when they're coming up can puncture your tires on your vehicle like it is freaking insane on those trees but so see there you go folks you have learned today that apiaries are terrifyingly dangerous places <laughs> it's, not, it's not just the bees it's everything else that's out there. The skunk incident was, uh, it was one of those moments where like, it was such a beautiful evening and it was all calm. And I had seen that something had been digging around the bottom of one of the pallets that the hives were sitting on. And I kind of thought it was an armadillo. You know, I was like, oh yeah, okay, whatever. It's whatever it is, it's not here, but it's been digging around there. And so I sat down because most of the time, um, there was a lot of top bars that were actually setting on center blocks or setting on pallets. So right. I would literally just get on my knees to work them. And I would, I was, you know, young enough that I could still get up and down pretty easy. So I'd squat down on my knees and I'd be sitting there working them. And I hear this rustling in the bushes, like right beside me. And I turn my head and I look and I'm being peaceful enough and quiet enough that all the other animals don't even think anything about it. Right. And uh, all of a sudden there's this rustling and I look and there's this massive male skunk coming straight for me and I was like oh my god and I'm like I panicked because I didn't want to sit there and him come up and then realize I was a person and it startled him and us be like right on top of each other so I was like <laughs> crap so I'm like trying to close the lid on the hive real quick and beeline it out of there to the truck before the skunk beeline. gets there yeah beeline <laughs> before the skunk gets there um there was also the day where I saw one of the baby skunks and this was this was, I think, maybe like the summer before I saw the adult. I never saw the adult that first year, but I saw baby and I was already out of the truck and I'm standing there and I see from underneath one pallet, this thing that looked like a cat come out and just go waddling like teeter tottering over and then go underneath another pallet. And I sat there for a minute going, what the hell is that? And I'm like, I, I had to think about it for a minute and I shined a flashlight underneath there and there's this baby skunk staring at me and I'm like, Oh God, because the next thought is back where are your parents? <laughs> <laughs> like back if the up. baby's here, where's mom? <laughs> right, right. At least there's no bears. 
that's true. But here, you know, I've I've traded I mean, that for a bear. You 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 are not enjoying that pleasure. Yeah, actually, I think I I didn't really trade it. I added. I didn't give anything away. I, I added an additional thing. <laughs> you got snakes on everything over there. Oh God, yeah, and and even more varieties of. Um, so instead of just the rattlesnakes, now it's copperheads and rattlesnakes <laughs> and forest rattlers. And then there's the black snakes, which are pretty much akin to a rat snake or a bull snake, but they're solid black. So they're actually a good snake, uh, unless they're swallowing your chicken eggs. Yeah, I was going to say. So, yeah, I've lost a chicken to a baby copperhead that got inside oh. the coop with the babies. And then when the babies went in the coop that night, I shut them all in there. And in the chaos and panic, it bit one of the chickens and killed it. And, uh, yeah, so that there's like there's all kinds of fun things out there in the wild. Uh, uh, you better be careful where you put your hands trying to get those eggs. Uh, well, I yeah, that day I lucked out because when I looked in the window of the coop, I could see all the birds up and along the top edge, literally smashed together, terrified, mm -hmm. and nobody was down on the bottom. And then there's one dead bird on the bottom. And I was like, what the heck? What happened? And right as I opened up the door, the snake turned its head and it's a copperhead. So it was the same color as the wood shavings and the mulch in the bottom. Oh, yeah. Had it not moved, I would have reached my arm right over the top of it to grab Ooh. that bird. And so luckily it turned and I saw it and I was like, oh, God. And then I totally understood why they were freaking out. But it was a baby. I don't know what its end goal was other than maybe it was just smelling like following scents because yeah. it was way too small to eat an egg. It was too small to eat one of those chicks. Hmm. But yet baby snakes are very, very deadly because when they're poisonous, they don't know how to regulate that and they give it all to you. So right. one little bite and that chicken was dead, gone. <laughs> yeah. Be careful, guys. Yeah, be careful. Be careful out there. Um, what else have I ran across? Baby raccoon, cutest thing in the world. I had soaked it. Um, so it took me a minute to realize what it was, but it was inside of a hollowed out tree where we were doing a forced abscond. Oh. And something like I had sprayed water down in one of these openings and then something comes crawling up out of it. And I was like, the heck is that? And then yeah. it's like these little ears pop up and I'm like, oh, my God, it's a baby raccoon. And it was the cutest little bitty thing. But I guess because I don't know if it was up close being curious. And then I, when I sprayed it, I sprayed it directly right. or if it got on it down further in there. But I ended up kind of turning around at an angle and shining a flashlight in there. And there was a big old mama and another Ooh. baby, but they were way back down in the bottom hollow of this tree. Right. And I was like, wow, you all chose some interesting roommate. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I guess it's a good de defense, right? Yeah, the, the bees keep everybody out of the entrance and we're going to be down here living in the bottom. Sometimes that doesn't go so well because you've got, there's been plenty of removals I've done where there's mummified animals. <laughs> that have, big ones like that? Big ones. Like I have come across uh, cats and I think it was probably a possum um, that had gotten like underneath a shed and mm. a colony killed it. And then they can't move something like that. So they just propolize right. it and encase it. And you That's end up with this very crazy mummified corpse. Yeah. Uh, the only thing I've seen is uh, mice in, inside the hives and they can climb, you know, even horizontal backwards, you know, surfaces yeah. of our hives and, and get into those small holes. So, yeah, I have found those little critters dried out crispies yeah most of the time out there you're going to find field mice trying to make a nest between the the top of the bars and the lid 
they will they will try to build little little nests in there. I think I know the the hive that you were talking about. Was it the seventeen inch kind of ornate wooden one that has the piano hinge where the top actually yeah. like folds back? It's got three holes in the center, yeah. and then like two big ones on the sides. Yeah, yeah. I hate that hive. <laughs> I cannot stand that lid. It's just I don't like that hive at all. I don't think the bees like it either. Well, the 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 temperature, like the construction of it, it looks beautiful. It was one of those where, and I I again, you know, after so many years, you just start repeating stuff, right? So <laughs> it was a, a hive removal that we had done where the gentleman had it and he had custom ordered it. He didn't build it himself, but he had ordered a kit and made it. And it was really pretty, but it was a 17-inch design. And his daughter was just getting old enough that she was running around and his wife was throwing a fit that she was afraid the kid was going to get stung. So he had to get rid of his bees. Um, it was about a month or two later, they ended up in a divorce. So <laughs> I don't know if the bees were, I think the bees may have just been a casualty of other things going on. Um, casualty. Yeah. So we had to come and pick that up and bring that back to the apiary. And we set it down out there every single year the comb in the middle of the hive will melt and separate from the bars and fall down into a pile every freaking year. And so every year I was in there and I would have to open it up, cut and clean all that out, straighten everything back up, put it all back together, you know, condense things down. Um, and I don't know how often a colony had successfully overwintered in that colony, in that hive, but swarms move into it all the time. Yeah, and exactly. Then the process like just started over. So we basically just left it out there as this massive swarm trap. <laughs> so I'm glad that you mentioned that because I forgot he said that it was melting. And it's probably because the heat of the air under the lid is just accumulating and it, there's not enough airflow. There's been a lot of talking about that. Uh, some people believe you don't need airflow and that you should have that there's such a thing as too much airflow underneath your top bar lids. And I, I, I believe that's the opposite. The more airflow, especially in a hot area, the less melting and breakage of the comb you're going to have. So it's just there to provide shade and rain cover <clears throat> in the summer. So I'm going to probably take off that lid and, and replace it with something else. That'd be perfectly fine. I think the problem with that lid is there, and I can't, I'm trying to visualize it and I can't remember right off. I don't think there's vents at the top peaks of the A-frame. And I think that the heat literally, like you said, yeah. it accumulates and it accumulates right there in the center of the hive. And then it melts the comb in those middle yeah. bars. But it's the same spot every year. And it's not like, oh, somebody was out managing their hive and the and they messed with the comb. So it got loose and it fell. Nope. You can leave that sucker there and not touch it and it will just fall. Right. Well, I don't know if you know, but a lot of uh, hives this summer were suffering from the heat, even the horizontal lengths and, and all this stuff. So a lot of people are starting to move their hives uh, to the shade, like yeah. not just afternoon shade, but full shade. Well, that's one of the fun things that's a big difference we pointed out back in the first seasons of the show is that there's a big difference between what commercial beekeepers do because they want their bees to get up first thing bright and early and forage for as long as possible to make them as much honey as possible versus what bees do in the wild. Because in the wild, they're going to move into a tree cavity hollow. And guess what? That's 100% shade. It's got a canopy all the way around it. Well, and, and they prefer shaded uh, locations. And in Africa, um, when you are setting up swarm traps, if you put them in the sun, you're never going to catch anything. But if you put them in the full shade, 
80% chances of catching swarms in your in your hives. That's pretty cool. Have you heard any updates from them down there? Yes, unfortunately, there was a um, big flood that oh, no. carried away a lot of the hives, they lost a bunch of them. So they're kind of like trying to, excuse me, rebuild the uh, barrel hives um, and, and take, resume that. They, they have some left, so they can probably try to split, but I'm not sure they know exactly how to do that. So I'll have to help them out a little bit. That's crazy. That sucks. So hopefully they can get that fixed and back on track. And I'm talking about the uh, not the program in the Congo. I'm talking about the program in the, in Nigeria with Winrock, the one that I did remotely, um, not the one that I did in person. Yeah. Now the one oh. that I did in person in in Brazzaville, the capital, the the apiary burned. Oh no! Like a, like like a wildfire come through. Yeah. Well, I think a wildfire was you know probably neighbors that didn't want the hives there. Ooh, ooh, purposefully. That sucks, man. So, yeah. So, there's all kinds of things going on. Yeah. Yeah. But you you never can tell. Have you ever had um, uh, vandalism or anything nope. uh, going on? So, one of our customers had two Langstroth by the road fenced in on her property, some trees uh, uh, hiding it, but there was an opening in the fence and the gate, and uh, somebody went and kicked them. And and she lost one of them for sure. And the other one was kind of like put back together like Humpty Dumpty. Yeah, see, some of that stuff just blows my mind because I would I would almost think in a random situation, I could see dumb teenagers yeah. daring each other to do something like that. Oh, I dare you to go kick over that hive. You know, you're not you're not brave, you're a wuss, go do it. You know, I can see that every now and then. And it's just the stupid, inconsiderate, absent-minded adolescent brain. Right. They're not doing, they don't have, they, literally the owner of that hive was not even a thought in that equation. Yeah. They're just out there being dumb. But then you've got the other situations where somebody purposely goes out of their way and drives a motor vehicle through there or an ATV, yes. knocks stuff over, sets it on fire, throws them into ponds. That's a whole different level of vandalism. And, and you have to be like, mm -hmm. why? Like, did something happen and you're blaming this person? Do you just not like the individual? Did it have something to do with the bees? You know, like, why are you going to such extremes? But luckily, knock on wood, I have never had anything like that happen. Um, I'm also usually like, I don't put my stuff where you can see it. <laughs> right. And and so that's to the point, uh, to your point, is put them uh, not really in plain view and possibly behind a fence that already is going to help. But yeah, a lot of uh, those really... Um, impressive stories are probably they probably have a backstory it's there's gotta gotta huge. be something mm -hmm. but i like the tabar house for the fact that they um we don't paint them first of all and they've got a completely different profile and they sit high up so they look like troughs and most people don't recognize them as hives so when you have every season before the uh, almond pollination contracts you've got people that get their langstroths stolen <laughs> excuse me, <clears throat> because uh, people are trying to make their numbers. So they'll, yep. they'll go drive around and pick up whatever is accessible. And if you have those big white boxes sitting right there asking to be picked up, then that's what happens. Where the Taba hives, first of all, they are not going to go to pollination contracts, but also those beekeepers, they don't really know how to work them, right? So 
Yeah. Sorry. I, I was, I was sitting here listening to you and out of the corner of my eye, I could see my video screen up above it. And I swore for a split second, I saw something move back here. And we had just been talking about like spiders and scorpions. <laughs> and, and so you were talking, I slowly turning around and looking. I was like, what the hell was that? Shortly <laughs> after uh, Halloween and everything. Right. And, something back there do, 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 crawling around the screen. That's what I, was, I was like, because I kept, after I thought I saw it, I like focused in. And I kept watching and I was like, I don't see anything moving, but I swore I saw something move. So I, I like, I had to turn <laughs> so like what's that. back there. <laughs> when you're like in the forest and you see sometimes there's a big silence where even the dog won't go outside. Right, right. <laughs> Those are the creepiest moments ever. I have, uh, I've, I've done a couple of different recordings of how insanely loud the forest is it's, and at night it's louder at night than it is in the day because all the critters are out there just singing their, their hearts content and it's like you know you get used to it and everything else and you got your routine and then there's these nights where you walk outside and i mean you could hear a pin drop the dogs won't go nowhere and you're like go potty and they're like no no no, no i'm good i'm good i'm just gonna sit here and you're like so then you're like paranoid going well what else is out here with us that, yeah. that nothing's gonna make a peep <laughs> So that's what watching you do that that was like <laughs> what is it yeah that's uh that's that's kind of one of the the interesting things about living out in a place like this you can run into a lot of things like the bear for instance that i'm never going to get over the fact that i watched this over 600 pound animal walk 10 foot in front of me and i couldn't hear it i couldn't hear crunch and stomp and thud there was no sound. Very delicate. They have those very cushy. Huge padded feet. Pad. And it's just like, there's uh, nothing. Oh, crazy. man. So I, I think about that now. I'm out there and I'm like doing something with the hive and I'll hear a noise. And you're, you know, the most common things is going to be squirrels right. and deer. And then outside of that, depending on the time of day, armadillos, they're freaking everywhere. And at nighttime, you'll run into the raccoon here and there. But, mm -hmm. and, and uh, the possum, I've only seen a possum once, oddly enough. You used to see them down there all the time, but up here, I've only seen them once. And armadillos, I think Texas left the gates open because I swear there's more of them up here than there were down there. <laughs> but freaking armadillos are everywhere up here. Um, but yeah, like there's all kinds of things out there that are making noise and doing stuff. And so sometimes I'll be doing things. When I was doing uh, the video on how to how, how I was doing that improvised hive insulation, at the very end of the video, I was starting to get paranoid because I could hear something walking. And whatever it was, was not a squirrel. It was big and I could hear it walking and I could see like I could hear that it was off over here behind me, but I couldn't see in the camera. So I started like rushing the end of it. And finally, I'm like, Okay, well, I got to go. Hope to talk to you soon. So long as whatever that is out there isn't a bear and I don't get eaten. Hopefully it's just a deer. Bye. <laughs> like, <laughs> Yeah, I mean, you got to be careful with those bears. Yeah. yeah. We have supposedly bobcats and boars, right? So we have both of those as well and uh, cougars, mountain lions. But I have not ever seen any of the cats um, and I've not seen or heard any of the pigs. So we have been lucky on that. But uh, yeah. Um, you know, just just a little way south of me is they're very proud of their Razorbacks. <laughs> right. That's true. Yeah. No, I mean, that kind of goes to to say that beekeeping's dangers are not just the bees. <laughs> That's the tip of the iceberg, people. The tip of the iceberg. <laughs> and, uh, and, and my friend Steve, he fell off a ladder 
really loud high because he was cutting the branch and and I think the branch kind of swung back and um, just knocked him over and he had really bad uh, surgery and problems for a couple three years actually with his, yeah. with his shoulders initially we didn't think that he was going to come back because he was a bee removal specialist we didn't think he was going to come back we didn't think he was going to be able to continue doing that um, and he did he did eventually work himself back into it but I have fallen out of a tree once and uh, oh, had a had a po poison ivy moment from Batman um, where I was saved literally within an inch by vines. As I fell, <laughs> I reached out and just kind of reached oh. out and grabbed whatever I could get and entangled my arm in some vines. And it slowed me down to where when I finally stopped, I was only like two inches off the ground. But I I it was I was up in a tree. I had been doing a forced abscond out of the tree. The ladder originally was very well braced and barricaded and I had anchored it down, did everything I needed to. And I did the, uh, I would always do an aluminum screen over the hole. And then I would fill that screen, not the hole, but just the screen with the spray foam. And right. then I would let that foam up and kind of create a scab or a seal. And then I'd come back and trim the outside of it and go over it with the actual tree sealant. And right. so I had done everything and I was just waiting on the foam to cure so I could cut through it. I had taken everything down. I had unhooked the ladder and oh. it was one thing. I was like, oh, I just need to go up there and I need to make this one little cut and do this paint. And I put the ladder up and I didn't get it placed the same way I did. And I didn't have it ratcheted. And I'm on the top of the ladder and I can tell like if I lean to the right, we're done. So I need to keep all my weight on the left. And I had the weight on the left and I was doing what I needed to and I got finished. And I don't remember if I started to turn, but when I did, I shifted my weight and that entire ladder flipped and yeah. just threw me. And so I went not like I went out away from the tree and kind of flailed and just grabbed. I felt something hit my arm and I just started spinning oh, my arm. Life flashing in front of your eyes. Oh, yeah. I was like, oh, God, if my family saw me, I would never be allowed to leave the house again. Like. <laughs> If they only knew the shit I got myself into on some of those jobs, they would be like, you're quitting. <laughs> <laughs> no, you're not doing it. Yes, you're well, not doing it anymore. It's important to to strap those ladders, use maybe harnesses when you're doing higher um, jobs and all this stuff. But especially when you have angry bees sometimes that are in your face. And God forbid there's one that gets into your veil, remember? Oh, I, yeah, I know. Yeah. yeah so. Well, like the uh, the owl box that you and I in Georgia did. Yes. Mm -hmm. That was not fun. They were way pissed off. It was dark and we're still trying to figure out how to get this. Like, who the hell builds an owl box that is basically a three-story mansion? That sucker was huge. Huge. Yeah, it was <laughs> humongous. Most owl boxes are the size of a regular Langstroth nuke standard on end. This sucker was like a 10 frame deep <laughs> stuck was, in a tree. <laughs> I get it. And so as a swarm trap, it's fantastic. Oh, but it's if great. You it's a hive. It's not even a trap. It's just a hive. Well, I mean, honey's heavy, right? So if it's filled. Yeah. yeah, we had to come up with a makeshift pulley system. Um, I think Georgia was the one that suggested putting the smoker on the rope. So we could actually move the smoker up and down and it would it could just hang and then I could pull it up as needed. Um, we tried to wrap a like a sheath around the the hive to keep everybody in. I tried to tape up hey. the sections I looked like they could get out. Um, they were still just pouring out of it and they were pissed off yeah. and they were like stinging me. And I'm like way up in the air with this ridiculously heavy hive <laughs> that we weren't sure it. it was gonna work. When it was all said and done and we had everything tied up, 
the last thing to do is to take the crowbar and basically pry off the last screw so it would come loose. But if it did and one knot wasn't tied right or it wasn't positioned right, that sucker was going to fall like a bomb and go off. Mm -hmm. So luckily that did not happen. Um, I was very tired and sore when we were done though, but. (laughs) There's a lot of uh, uh, Hail Mary passes when we do that kind of stuff. I did the same, uh, went all the way, like probably like 20 feet up. It was super high. And um, I had to, and I ended up, I was trying to pull it down same way, um, but it was not working. And I finally kind of grabbed, and the bees were so mad. And I finally grabbed the thing which I shouldn't have. And I kind of like, it just kind of put it down and I walked the the ladder and then that thing was so heavy. And I was like, that was not smart, but you know. So we, when we do removals, we would do five gallon buckets and I had a chain and hook mechanism that we would hook onto the ladder and hook and hang the five gallon buckets off of the ladder. Mm -hmm. And as we're cutting the comb out of these structures, we're either putting it into a trash bag if it's something that's scrap and going to be melted right. down or we're putting it into a bucket if it's something that we can render out and refeed to the bees or whatever, you know, what whatever the you whole sort. point of what we're getting is. Yeah, we're sorting as we're going. So we're like, this is trash. This is scrap. This can be melted. This is honey. Like, and it's going into different buckets. And then you have to carry that bucket. So you have to be very cautious because a bucket full of honey is going to be 50 to 60 pounds. And you're going to be carrying that with one arm while you're trying to hang onto a ladder and crawl down a ladder. And guess what? If you're doing it after the removal, that ladder is slippery because it's covered in honey. (laughs) Your hand is slippery and everything, right? Yeah. Uh, No, I mean, you got to be careful. And and there's just kind of all kinds of things that... Here's another story. Uh, One of our apprentices, Brad, he um, made light of it because he he wrote a very um, uh, witty post about it. But basically what he did, he, he, he checks on these hives and his wife told him that uh, one of his hives was gone, was dead. There was no activity. So he, you know, asked her to check it. And she's like, no, exclamation point, capital N-O, exclamation point. So he ended up coming back and he, he just kind of, you know, oh, there's nothing going on. So he tries to crack open the back of this alliance hive. And there's a division board because they're ready for winter, uh, flower board basically. And so he cracks the uh, back end and there's like two or three bees. He's like, oh no, they're gone. So he cracks the uh, flower boards and he's looking down. And as he's looking down, he sees all kinds of bees coming out and going at him. The problem is that he thought it was empty. So he didn't suit up. He didn't have, he didn't on have a veil or anything like that. And I'm yeah. like, never, ever should you go and try to um, open up a hive, even if you think it's empty, without at least some veil on your face, right? Right. <laughs> you never know. You can never. never. Don't front porch beekeep and just assume. Um, yeah, no, you never can tell. You. It's always better to be safe than sorry, even if you just have just a veil, literally just a veil. Just Cover veil up your face. Because as we talked at the beginning, things going into orifices where they should not be yes. is not a good thing. Yes. You don't want stung in the nose, the mouth, the eyes, the ears. It's not It's not a pleasant experience, so don't do that. Um, yeah. Lucky, luckily, he had. He was on his ATV because his hives are scattered all over his property, and he had a, he, it was still running, and he just had put it in park, and he, was, he jumped on his ATV, and he, he basically took off, but all the bees were covering him, and they didn't, get, they didn't sting him. 
but it could have they could have it could have been much much worse yeah it definitely could have been much worse Les so there you go Les told me a story of a friend of his who was basically an experienced beekeeper doing it for years and then he decided like because he was experienced he started you know putting on less and less gear and then he started stopped taking the precautions that he needed to and then he got stung so bad in the face that his wife thought it was going to die. He almost died. He almost quit beekeeping. He ended up going back at it, but you know, wearing his veils and everything. Yeah, did. that was the one that I think, if I remember it correctly, that's one of those situations where he did get stung so many times and it was so bad that now right. he has developed the sting right. allergy from that. And so beekeeping was one, it was terrifying thought right. because of what just happened. And then two, it only takes one tiny screw up in the future right. and you're, you're done. So I think over 200 uh, stings on his face and, and what happens, right? You got one sting somewhere and then you're a bullseye, you're a target and yeah. that, that antagonizes everybody else that triggers that defensive reaction from the entire colony. And now they're going at you in, in full force. So, yeah. I mean, I and think what is your natural response? scream and flail which just right. draws even more attention to yourself and now you're a worthy adversary because you're moving quickly so we can see you better right exactly. and you're exhaling lots of carbon dioxide so we can zone in right on your mouth right. and we know exactly where you're at and then also you're hitting us and so right. now we're even more angry and you're definitely exactly. going to get it so yeah it's it is a very like it's perfect storm worst disaster recipe ever yep. so run run and always wear a veil as far as i'm concerned yeah, and don't do the whole stupid, like, uh, there's been certain things out there before that have been like, run in a zigzag line. Don't no, screw that. Run <laughs> in a straight line as fast as you can to the nearest shelter. Don't waste your time trying to zigzag back and forth. That's that's not helping you at all. <laughs> no, not at all. You got to go as far, far away as fast as possible. And don't jump in the pool. Don't get in water. They'll wait. <laughs> you cannot hold your breath as long as they can wait. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's and, and also, if you've been stung a lot, you could potentially have some sort of reaction, be in the water and drown too. So that's also right, another that's reason why you shouldn't do that. Um, go into a structure, get into your vehicle, uh, run into the house, you know, whatever you can do, um, get under something if you can, like whatever, just to get away from them. Yeah, man. So see, there you go. That, that is a whole lot of cautionary tales to right. just remind you that beekeeping is, uh, is not always light and fluffy and fun and should be taken seriously because even if your bees are the sweetest bees in the world and they don't ever have any issues, there's all kinds of other critters out there that may not have that same disposition. <laughs> well, and, and um, honeybee colonies are animals, just like dogs or horses, and they can be the sweetest, but for some reason, they still have, you know, a part of them that's still wild and anything can happen. Well, so they will guard their stores ferociously. Exactly. They're formidable and they need to be respected. So I hope you have enjoyed. Uh, maybe you have learned a thing or two. Got definitely gotten a lot of laughs out of the dumb things that we have done. Right. Um, but maybe learned a few things about, you know, just, you know what, just take her advice and don't. <laughs> just don't. <laughs> it's easier than learning the hard way. Do as I say, don't do as I do. <laughs> right, exactly. Do just take take heed from this story and and tell yourself, <laughs> oh, that's right. Natalie or John did that. That that was that turned out badly. So we we shouldn't right. do that, you know. <laughs> Yeah. Or Ken, you know, go back for the first couple of seasons of the show and listen to some of the things Ken did and just remind yourself that's not how you do it. <laughs> Save yourself the heartache. Right. Exactly. They'll so, uh, 
next week we so since how we had like this uh this cautionary tale some of those kind of sad bummer type stories in there next week we'll talk about uh ways to make things fun and and reinvigorate your joy and passion and beauty for beekeeping just to balance oh, out the scales yeah. <laughs> i love that let's talk about the awe and joy of beekeeping Yay. there you go the awe and joy of beekeeping that'll that'll be next week so look forward to that and we will talk to you then but until then that's a little redundant uh be good <laughs> and don't forget to be mindful <laughs> Never mind. I was like, if you forget, but you be mindful. It's in there. <laughs> Bye, everybody. <laughs> this Hive Jive production was made possible by amazing patrons like you. And we appreciate your support. To all our Hive Jive junkies out there, you truly are the bee's knees. <laughs>